am excited. Oh, now we're not so tired. You can stand. I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited to be here with you guys today. There's so much happening and God is so good and, and Pastor Rule shared during rally and it was just confirmation of what the Holy Spirit was saying to me at rally and I was just like, Lord, why are you so good? Why are you so good? Don't get quiet on me though. Today, I, I, we just finished encounters and uh, I get the privilege of uh, just speaking, just talking today. Having conversations, that's what I told myself. I said, tell them you're going to have a conversation so you can relieve the pressure that's on you. <laughs> um, I just felt like the Holy Spirit gave me this. And it was about three weeks ago, and it's this reminder. And it's just a reminder. A reminder to fan the flame. That is what Holy Spirit is saying here today. Fan the flame. And I'm going to go to 2 Timothy chapter 1. We're going to read 1 through 14. And we're going to get into it, and I, I, we're going to read, and we'll talk, and then, whew, and then I'll step out of the way. Amen? It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by God's will, for the sake of the promise of life in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dearly loved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I, whom I serve with a clear conscience as my ancestors did when I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day. Remembering your tears, I long to see you that I, so that I may be filled with joy. I recall your sincere faith that first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and now I am convinced is also in you. Therefore, somebody shout therefore. I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is in you through the laying of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. So don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Instead, shed in, instead share us in the suffering for the gospel, relying on the power of God. He has saved us and, re, and called us with a holy calling, not according to his works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. This has now been made evident through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who has abolished death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. For this gospel, I was appointed a herald, apostle, and a teacher. And that is why I suffer these things, but I am not ashamed. Because I know in whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to guard what has been entrusted to me until that day. Hold on to the pattern of sound teaching that you have heard from me in the faith and love and love that are in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Turn to your neighbor and just let him know this is your reminder. We can say it louder than that. This is your reminder. I don't know about you guys, but I live in a world where my calendar is constantly telling me where I got to be, who I got to see, where I got to go, what I got to do. I, I go to the doctor's appointments with my kids and you know how they try to give you those little cards, like when they put your appointment? And I say to them, shave the paper, because if it's not in my calendar, it doesn't exist. This is what I say to them. If it's not placed in there, it doesn't exist to me. And we are constantly being bombarded by reminders. Everything is a reminder. I know that because when you have children, as most of us do, 
It is a constant reminder. Clean your room. Did you brush your teeth? Have you taken a bath? Did you wash your hair? Are you sure? Are you positive? I get home and I'm like, the garbage, the recycling, the this, the that. It is a constant thing for reminding, of reminding our children what to do. I'm going to share this with you, and it's also sometimes a constant reminder to, um, to my husband, whom I love so much. I remind him every day how much he loves me. Um, when I remind him of the things that have to be done in the house, just so you guys know. Tomorrow we make 14 years of marriage. And uh, that's 14 years of uh, marriage reminders. Because, you know, there's the difference between dating reminders and marriage reminders, right? Um, for some reason, the, dating, the marriage reminders become a little more of a nuisance than uh, the dating ones. The dating ones are cute. You know, you're cute. When you call them up and you say, oh, you're so cute. Oh, thank you so much. The marriage ones are more like, is that nail going to take care of itself? Are we going <laughs> to, are we going to finish the stairs that you pulled up the carpet on 14 years ago? <laughs> it's still there. 14 years. Everybody ever goes to my house, I have, there was carpet on my house. I told them, pull it up. It's been 14 years. I still haven't, we still haven't fixed it. But those are the little things that we don't, you know. I no longer remind him of those things. I just kind of just live there, right? I wanted to share with you today and just submit to you today that reminders are a good thing, right? Paul, in, in, the, in, the, book of, in the book of 2 Timothy, it, it was something strange to me because he's reminding Timothy of what has been placed inside of him. Just to give you a little bit of context, this is in the church of, in the city of Ephesus. Um, Timothy has been in Ephesus for a while, He's been there with Paul. He's now been there. It says that I've read that, you know, the difference between the first Timothy letter and the second Timothy letter is about four years since Paul wrote it. And he's been, so he's been there while Timothy knows the people, right? You've been in a familiar place. You know who they are. You know who the players are. You know who's who. You know who, what time that rooster's going to crow. You know what time that dog is going to come out for breakfast. You know what time the person's baking bread. I have a rooster near my house that crows every morning at 6 a.m. Like clockwork, which I love because it reminds me of Puerto Rico, but that's besides the point, but that's what it does. It reminds me that it is now 6 a.m. to get up. And I just want to, I just want you guys to picture this for a second for me because as I was reading through the second Timothy, I'm like, why all this reminders to Timothy who has been in this place for such a long time? It's not like it's new to him, right? It's not like it's new to him to say, oh, just, you know, make sure you take care of that. Make sure you take care of this. And Paul in this, in this letter, um, this is the last letter written by Paul. Paul is in prison at this time. He is, um, he, this is a few years before he actually dies in prison, uh, as, as, you know, dies for the gospel. And I'm wondering in these verses when he reminds Timothy of who he is in Jesus, if it's, it perplexed me because I'm like, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense that you're, that you're reminding somebody who's been in a familiar place of what to do next. But isn't that sometimes how we feel? We're in this familiar place, and I can picture Timothy standing in front or, or standing above the city, right? Let's think about New York City. You get the highest point. You look down at the city. You see all the lights. You see all the people. You see the people who look like ants because you're so high up. And I can picture Timothy looking at the city and saying, okay, okay. I, I, I see that this is, this is going to be my territory now. 
And Paul is here reminding Timothy, like, hey, just to let you know that I've seen the faith that was placed inside of you from your grandmother to your mother, and I was in you. And I'm asking you to remember to fan the flame that has been placed inside of you when you're going to come, because now I am entrusting you with this. And it makes a difference when you feel like somebody's going to be next to you all the time, and then all of a sudden somebody's handing you something, and it becomes more of your responsibility. It now feels like different, right? It's like, it's a difference when you see somebody's kid from afar, and then they hand you the kid, right? And now you're like, and then the kid starts crying, you're not understanding, right? You have to hold their head a certain way. And it's different when it almost, when it becomes yours. And I was, I was, and I was, as I was watching this, I'm like, okay, Timothy, what are you thinking? You get this letter from Paul, he's telling you, hey, remember this. And you know that he's probably not going to come back. And you're standing there and you're saying, okay, Lord, all right, I'm going to have to now deal with all of the, what's happening in Ephesus. And what's happening in Ephesus is that they have been, they, they established the gospel there, but these infiltrating things have occurred. These things that of a false gospel has appeared within the people. These, these, they've worshiped other things. They're mixing, right? The gospel with other, with other, um, mystic, um, beliefs back in the day. They're doing all of this in Ephesus. And verse seven, when Paul talks, which is a very famous verse that we know. And when verse seven goes, and when Paul's telling him all of these things, he says, for the God, for the spirit God does not give, um, give us, does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. And when I read this, I said, okay, Lord, so what is happening to Timothy at that precise moment that Paul felt the need to remind him of that? So I, I said, so I took a step back and I said, okay, I wonder if Timothy was fearful of what he was seeing, of what was being entrusted to him. Because why else would he write that to him? And I shared this with, with um, Lee and I shared this. We went to go see his only son in the movie about Abraham. And in Genesis, you know, everybody, we all know the story. God calls Abraham, tells him he's going to be a father of many nations. He gives him Isaac, right? He tells him, hey, you need to go sacrifice your son now. Boom, boom, boom. And you're at the mountain. And God tells him, no, never mind, right? But we don't see the in-between of that story. We went to see his only son, and it made it clear to me that in that journey between where Abraham was and the mountain was three days, a three-day period. A three-day period of Abraham thinking about what God had called him to do. A three-day period of staring at his son knowing that he was going to go sacrifice him. And I'm like, how human is that? I sometimes can't sleep if I feel like I miss a deadline at work. Let alone knowing that I have to take my son somewhere to go sacrifice him for three days. And for Timothy, I'm like, I wonder if Timothy, if Paul wrote this to Timothy to let him to remind him of what God has placed inside of him for that city. To remind him that, hey, you may, this may look fearful to you. This, these compartments may look funny to you. This house, this, this city may look like it's going to fall apart, but I'm reminding you, I beg of you to rekindle the flame that's been inside of you, to rekindle the, the gift that I have given you, that God has placed inside of you. It's, it's just, it's just mind boggling to me. And then I started thinking, I said, Lord, okay, 
So what's our own Ephesus? What's our own place that we gather in, that we feel these fear things of, of stepping forward or moving forward in our own lives, right? And for me, it's very particular because I, I see these visions of things in like house compartments. And we also experience these infiltrating thoughts, these infiltrating beliefs that are contrary to what God has said to us already. We go through it all the time. I am a thinker. I say it all the time. My thoughts, if you were to run through my brain, I promise you, you lose like a hundred pounds. The way my thoughts run on a, on a treadmill. And I want everybody to, to gather with me in this place and, and just bear with me a little bit because I just want to, I want to be able to show you guys what I'm talking about. I want everybody to close their eyes. And I want you to picture that you're in front of your house. Any house. If you don't have a house, pick whatever house you want. Whatever mansion you want. There's grass on the floor. We have white picket fences. Maybe some brick. You're standing in front of this huge house. And you see the tree on the side. Maybe a swing. You feel the air flowing through, right? And you're saying to yourself right now, Mayling, I want to stay right here in this place. Where I can feel the sun shining, the warmth, but you have to go into the house. So you go into the house and you see that there's beautifully decorated rooms, right? The women may have like a little den with the chair and the book and the lamp. The men might be seeing a sports thing on TV, right? Let's go Knicks, right? And Mets. And you go into that place and you feel comfortable there, and it's familiar to you there. And you're standing in that room, and you're like, wow, this is pretty nice. But then you turn around, and you look at your basement. And you see your basement door, and you're like, man, I need to get in there. I need to get into that space. And maybe your basement is not as kept. Maybe it's too much to deal with right now. Maybe you have too much clutter. Maybe you don't have the right supplies to go into your basement. Maybe the things in there are too heavy for you to move on your own. Maybe that thing on the corner of your, of your basement has picked up its own feet and started walking around. Just maybe. And how many things in our basement do we, do we allow to hold us back? And I know this exercise is simple, but I wanted you to see it. I wanted you to see that those things that are hidden in those places can paralyze you from moving forward in what God has called you to do. That room and that space where only you know what's in there, whether it's in your heart or in your mind, those things will stop you from moving forward. And I wonder sometimes if that's the way Timothy thought when, when he got this letter reminding him to fan the flame that God has placed within him. Reminding him that he didn't have, he wasn't given a spirit of fear. That he was given a spirit of, of sound mind, of sound judgment, of love, of faith. And I'm just, and I just want to remind you in this space, and it's not complicated. I really just, I really felt like the Holy Spirit was just like, remind them, remind them that the Holy Spirit is here to help you and to remind you to fan the flame of God that has been placed inside of you. Just fan the flame because you can. You can overcome that hard place. 
You can't push forward. You can allow Jesus to transform your life. You can't see Jesus in the midst of it all, of that hard place, in front of your Ephesus, in front of that city, in front of that basement, in front of that door, in front of that thing that's too heavy, in front of these things that creep in within us, in front of the fear that has picked up legs, that has gained legs and started walking around telling you what you can't do. I'm here to tell you today that fan the flame that God has placed within you. And what exactly does that look like? Right? What does that look like in between the tears? What does that look like in the between in the wilderness? What does that look like when you're not sure which way to go? What does all that look like? It looks like exactly what we did here today, reminding yourself that it is the breath that God has given you that's placed in your lungs that you can pour out your praise to Him. It is the step that you can take as you walk forward. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I've been through things in my life where I have done them and I have done them scared. But I will say this to you. God is faithful in what he has said. He is faithful in what he has said. I was sharing with women and I get choked up because I, I, I know what it is to see God, to have this fear paralyzed within you, not understanding what to do. I understand what that feels like. I understand that the only thing I have to go on is the word that God has given me. It may not look polished, it may not look nice, you may not understand it at the time, but I said, okay, Lord, in the place of my hopelessness, in the place of my Ephesus, in the place of my hard place, in the place of the thing that has picked up and tried to take over, in that very place, I'm going to step forward because you have spoken to me. I'm going to step forward because you have promised me. I'm going to step forward because you have said that you were made a way. I'm going to step forward because I trust in you. I'm going to step forward because I know you love me. I'm going to step forward because I know you want what's best for me. I'm going to step forward because I hear your voice clearly. In the midst of the chaos, in the midst of a city that doesn't, that I don't know which way to go. In the midst of it all. In light of what you have done for me. We don't understand sometimes the gifts, the, 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 um, the things that have been placed inside of us that has given us the power through Christ to conquer. Even in my own life, I had a conversation with Pastor Ruben this week and I was telling him and he said something to me that I, I, I knew intuitively, but I couldn't put it into words. And what he said to me was this, and, I, and once he said it, I was like, oh, that makes sense, Lord. It's been in these places in my life where I have been in the hopelessness of the situation, the hopelessness of a situation. I don't know if you've been there, but I've been there. Where, you, where you're turning like this. And you're not sure. You're not sure where the out is. You're not sure where the door is. For goodness sake, you don't even know where the knob is. You're like trying to figure out what, what, what you're doing. And Pastor Ruben said this to me. Because we've been friends for a really long time. And he has seen my journey. He has seen my walk. And he said this to me. He said, he goes, May... He goes, there is a difference between being in hopelessness and not knowing how to move and being in hopelessness and still moving towards what God has called you to do. He goes, and I think that you have started to move towards what God has called you to do. And I'm here to remind you that in the midst of your hopelessness, you can move towards what God has called you to do. He is so good, y'all. He is so good. My accent comes out. I don't pronounce words correctly. My Brooklyn comes out. It's all a mess. Like power. Right, Jonathan? 
it is relieving to know, I, I thought this afterwards, and, and verse 8 says this, so do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, the Lord or of me, his prisoner, rather join me with Join with me in suffering for the gospel. By the power of God, he has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because, his own, for his, because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given, was given in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to, the, to, to light through the gospel. And this is the thought that I had in my head when I read all of this, as we were talking about fanning the gift thing that God has placed inside of you. How relieving it is that God has placed this inside of me. All he does is ask me to steward it. But at the end of the day, he created it. He created it. He created this inside of me. It makes a difference when, you've, when you're like, I'm like, Lord, like, I know I got to take care of it. I know I have to steward it. But you're the one who created it inside of me. So who better for me to go to to get the confirmation of what it is that's supposed to look like at this being walked out? For he created it inside of us. It is created by our creator, and he has intentionally placed it. And like I said, God, you know, I had this message three weeks ago, and God, I love when he, when I doubt myself, and then he shows me something that that goes with what I what I was feeling already. I follow this um page. You see, the social media can be good sometimes, guys, depending on what you follow. I follow this page called uh, for a CEO for women. And as I was preparing my message, uh, not at the right precise moment, but I was scrolling, you know, I was scrolling. And this came across my page and it says this, I'm going to let you know, I'm going to let you in on a secret. Your gifts are not an accident. There's no way that God would be intentional about everything else and then give you certain gifts and talents just because. Long story short, your gifts have a purpose. Use them. And I know some of us, isn't that amazing? Like I read that and I was like, oh, that's so good, Lord. I love when you talk through me through memes. I love it. I love it. Because it's just a reminder. He reminded me like, hey, that gift was not by mistake. That passion, that thing that, you're, that, you, that, that ruptures inside of you, that thing that you're thinking about doing, that's not a mistake. God placed that intentionally in you for his kingdom. Intentionally. It's not, I tell the Lord all the time, I'm like, I want to write a song. Right? And the thought feels like it came out of nowhere. But then I started thinking, no, in light of who you are, Lord, that's not an accident. So I'm going to wait till the day till I feel or you've given me the song that I know you need me to write for your glory. No longer do I say, no, I'm not, I can't write a song. I was, I used to say, I said it a few months ago. I was like, I can't, I'm not a writer. No, no, no. I think I am. I think I am. And so are you. Whatever it is that your passion is for, God placed that inside you intentionally. Intentionally. And he is here to remind you. And I'm going to keep saying the word remind because I'm telling you that's how I feel like the Holy Spirit is. And you're, not, you're in good company. I'm going to tell you why you're in good company because this is not the only reminder that Paul gives Timothy. You go to 1 Timothy, he reminds him three times of who he is in Jesus. Three times. He says, Timothy, my son, I've been giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you. I don't know about you guys, but God has spoken to me, and those are my prophecies. Yeah. Yeah. 
so that by recalling them, you may fight the battle well. It is different when you're standing from the position of where you know God called you from. It is different. The battle is different. You're no longer like, no, this is not going to happen. No, you're like, all right, Lord, I hear you. I'm trekking. I'm trekking through all this dirt and this mud, and I'm going to keep on moving because the position that you're in now, now you understand when God has a calling within your life, he, it doesn't matter what is happening around you. It doesn't matter that the world can fall upon you. It does not matter because he still is good, and he still is faithful, and he's still the one to complete it. He reminds him again in the same letter, do not neglect your gift which has been given to you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. He reminds him again, Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to your care. Turn away from godless chatter and opposing ideas of what is falsely called knowledge. What is falsely called knowledge what is the false knowledge that you're, remi- that you're telling yourself? What is the godless chatter that you're allowing to seep in? God is telling you to remind. <laughs> Guard what has been placed inside of you by your, by your father. Guard it. Guard it. Because the false knowledge of the world will tell you that you're not qualified. I always say this and it never changes. I say, I say, situations don't change. The enemy doesn't have new tactics. They're all the same. He has been doing it since the beginning of time. He has been doing it since the beginning of time. He went to Adam and Eve and questioned what God has said. The tactic is the same. He's reminding us here, guard what has been entrusted to your care. Guard the passion that has been placed inside of you. Guard the thing that God is calling you to do. And turn away and let that false knowledge fall by the wayside. Pick up whatever it is God has said to you, and I'm telling you, trek forward. 2023 is the time. You're, I, we say 2020, 2021. Every year is our new year, our new year. No. I am here to remind you that 2023 is the time for you to begin flourishing in what God has placed inside of you. Flourish in what God has placed inside of you. So much to share, and I'm just like, oh, I don't know. Thank you. Sometimes... It feels like the age that we are makes us unqualified. And I say that because I'm going to be 42 this year. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That was my husband, by the way, guys. Um, so I read something the other day and... Or I didn't read something. I was listening to Priscilla Shire the other day. And she said something about age. And I was like, oof, that's so good. I wish I had the clip, to be honest with you, because I'm probably going to butcher it right now. In context, though, she was saying that age is pretty much a number. Because you don't know the time and what you're going to pass. So if, you're thir- if you pass at 30, 15 is your midpoint. And I said, oh, if I, right? I'm like, and that put it into perspective for me. Like, none of that matters. 
because in the Old Testament, culturally, I was reading, this is funny because I was reading it and I was like, oh, so I'm so young. And I know I'm young, but you know, you feel old at 42, your knees start knocking a little bit. You're, I have to think about twice before I get off of the bed now. Got to give my body some time to rev up, right? But in culturally, when Timothy was around, you know, there's a verse where it says that, that Paul is telling him, don't let them despise you because of your youth. And culturally, the youth, what was considered youth back then was 40 and under. And I was like, ooh, Pastor Rose still good. <laughs> right? We know, right? Emily's still good. Right? But for the rest of us, older folks, <laughs> but for the rest of us older folks, God is still there. The flame inside you is not. You know what I started doing? I'm not even going to lie to you. I said, Lord, if Moses was 80, when he led the people out of Egypt, I said, I am still in my prime at 40. I said, if Abraham was, lived to live, he lived to 175 years old, Abraham was still in his prime when he had his promise. If Noah lived to a 950, he was still in his prime when he built his ark. Right? I said, if Job was 210, if Joseph was 110, which is more or less our life expectancy. Our life expectancy is about 120, you know, right? Statistically. Not that we make it there, but that's what it is, statistically. You're still in your prime. You still have time. You still have time to fan the flame that God has placed inside of you. You still have time to do all the things that God has called you to do. Because I hold on to... Moses' story right now, like the back of my hand. I do. I'm like, Lord, he was 80. He got people out of Egypt. I said, I'm 42. I'm good. I'm going to walk people out of Egypt till I'm 100. That's what I'm going to do. Right? But to leave you with just the practical side of this all too, what does it look like to fan the flame that God has placed inside of you? Right? I'm very practical. I'm like, Lord, I want to see what's the step. <laughs> How can I take the step? And I was laying down, and this literally came to my mind, and, and, and it's probably the, one of the most famous prayers in the world. I'm saying the world, the universe. I was telling Pastor Roy, I said, I was five years old and residing this prayer before I even knew what it was. And it's the Our Father. And everybody knows it, right? Because you guys are all reciting it right now in your heads. Right. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. But Jesus, in this place, Jesus is reminding, is telling his disciples how to pray. But he's also reminding them. Because I said, Lord, okay, how do you fan this flame? How do you fan this flame? And he says, and in Matthew 6, I'm not going to recite the whole prayer. I'm going to give you Matthew 6. Matthew 6 says this. He says, give us today our daily bread. That is how Jesus instructed his disciples to pray. I said, all right, Lord, what does that mean? It means that we surrender to God daily. We go to him daily to remind us to fan the flame that he has placed within us because outside of him, it is not, we are not sustained. Outside of, outside of going to him every day. Our, let me tell you, the reminders that come to you, whether you know them or not every day, are pretty astonishing. What your hair should look like, what your eyes should look like, what your lips should look like, what your body should look like, what color you should be, what color you shouldn't be, how tall you should be, how short you should be, how... All those things come to you on a daily basis. So how, so how is it that we're not bombarded with these things? 
We're bombarded daily with these reminders, every single day. And it is a, and it is a reminder that's given even to our youngest of children. Our youngest of children are being bombarded with what they're listening to. And Jesus here is reminding, reminding his disciples, go to your father for your daily bread. Go to him for your daily reminder to move forward, to step forward, to keep going, to keep moving forward, to keep doing, seeing what he wants you to do. Because before this, he says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How do we know what God's will is if we don't, we don't, we're not talking to him on a daily where he's feeding us and he's giving us? And as the worship team comes up, because like I said, I'm, I am going to get out of the way. Because I really do feel like we're going to come up here, we're going to pray, we're going to lay some hands. Because I really feel like during rally today, for those who weren't here, Pastor Ruben shared something that I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying to me. But I was, I'm going to let you know this, you're going to be a little disobedient. Because I didn't, I was like, mm, Lord, I don't know, you know. But what Pastor Ruben shared was what Holy Spirit was talking to me in the corner, talking about giving people permission to praise God from where they from from the, from the situation they're in, giving them the permission that it's not it's not you're unworthy. God will meet you in your unworthiness in that place, because He wants you to rely on Him in such a way that you can't breathe without Him, that you can't breathe without Him, you can't move without Him. I'm going to jump down to verse 14, and it says, Guard the good deposit that has been entrusted to you. This is another place where he reminds him, Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in you. It is not on our own. God did not give us these, the, the, the thing inside of us for us to take care of on our own. He has given us the Holy Spirit to do, this, to do the thing that he has called us to do. I'm going to ask you to stand on your feet. And... As we start worshiping here today, I really just want us to know and believe in what God has placed inside of us. I know for sure that the thing that God has placed inside of me outside of him, I would probably mess it up really bad or it would destroy me. I say this all the time when I get up here and it still holds true to this day, but I'm going to tell you that today I feel the shift in my own life a little bit. I feel it today. I do. I feel it because this wasn't just something for you, but it was something for me at the time. I had a burning bush moment with this message. Pastor Rob told me that. That's a burning bush, man. I had a burning bush today with the, a few weeks ago with this message. And I wish I was telling you that I was in, in prayer and go, you know, boogers out in the corner somewhere. That's not what happened to me. I was washing dishes. And my stove is old. It's an old stove. And, and you know how sometimes you turn on the burner and only half of it turns on? And I go through it all the time because I cook a lot. So what do I do to the burner? You got to blow the burner, right? And that's what I did. At that precise moment, Holy Spirit fell on me. And he said to me, he goes, remind them to fan the flame. 
remind them to fan the flame. It is not a coincidence. I tell this, I was telling this to John, I think. I said, it's not a coincidence that this is, this is the message after Resurrection Sunday. Jesus paid for it all. He told his disciples, he goes, you're going to have trouble. You're going to have trouble. I believe that that's what Paul is saying to Timothy in that letter. Hey, this might get a little crazy, but remind yourself of what God has entrusted to you. Remind yourself of the thing that God has placed inside of you. And I'm here to remind you to fan the flame that God has placed inside of you. Fan the flame, fan the flame, fan the flame. I'm going to keep on saying it because it's, it's just one of those things of, of, of being confident in who Christ has called you to be. Not in arrogance. That's not what I'm saying. It's understanding that if he called you to it, he will walk it through it with you. Today I get up here not because of Mei Ling. God only knows because if it was because of Mei Ling, Pastor Ruben would have been preaching today. I thought about it, guys. But because this is your in, in living color, watching Mei Ling Miranda fan the flame that God has placed within her. Fan the flame of, hey, you've been called to pastor. You've been called to teach. You've been called to preach. You've been called for all these things, not for my glory, but his. I'm telling you right now that at 80 years old, you're going to see me walking people out of Egypt. You can walk people out of Egypt. You can do it right now. Moses didn't have it together. Moses stuttered and stumbled his way to what God has called him to do. You are stumbling and stuttering your way to what God has called you to do. Take the step. Take the step. He will be with you every step of the way. He will be with you every step of the way because he is partnered with you. My God, Jesus came down to partner with you to show you what it looks like to walk in obedience. of your situation fall away from what God has called you to do. I want to share one last thing with you before we get into this praise and, and honestly we're, we're, we're going to we're going to pray. But I want to share with you something that became very, very, um, I, I, I want to share something. I'm not, I'm not sure who it's for, maybe for somebody online, maybe, but I felt Holy Spirit that day that I was, that I, you know, fanned the burner. In the beginning of Paul, Paul writes the letter to Timothy. He says, the faith that has been, it has been passed down to you from your grandmother, from your mother, unto you, I'm, I'm confident that that was in you. It is always peculiar when the Bible doesn't speak about the male figures, in a passage because it's all patriarch so I said Lord where, where is his dad and I felt the Holy Spirit I felt the Holy Spirit tell me even in the times of you being fatherless you have a group of believers of generations before you who have passed this gospel down to you 
not have the earthly passing down of a biological father or mother but you have the generations before you starting from the Old Testament who has passed down the gospel to you and I'm going to show you this guess what Abraham your brother Noah your brother full of faith full of faith Esther your sister Ruth your sister those who have come before you who are passing down the gospel and the promise that God has placed the gospel of Jesus Christ they have they saw it before they saw it and you're surrounded by those very people you're surrounded by people in this place who yet may have gotten the gospel distorted I grew up with a gospel that wasn't so not that it was bad but it was a little legalistic but I am reminded here today that those who are in this place who might be a first generation Christian who have never seen the gospel before that you're standing here you might be sitting here you might be at home saying hey I, I don't know I don't know this is the first time I know Jesus this is the only time I've never been introduced to him before there is no line of family I'm here to remind you today that God is with you God is with you and he will place it in you and yeah you might not have somebody before you but you better guarantee that you will be for the people coming after you your children will see the glory of God your family will see the glory of God because you are not stagnant what God has placed inside of you I'm gonna get out of the way but I want to pray for those who feel like they have been stagnant that needed this reminder today that regardless of what's happening around you to fan the flame of the gifting of God it wasn't by accident you cannot tell me that the God who placed the universe where it is black holes in the sky planets where they are aligned said oh man let me just give him a little something that's not the God I serve that's not the God I serve if you're in this place and you just need someone to pray with you I'm going to ask the prayer counselors to come up and you need somebody to pray with you Jesus. maybe you're not sure which way to go maybe you don't know where your Ephesus is maybe it's standing right in front of you right now maybe you're trying to figure it out maybe you just want you just, you, I don't know, maybe you're like I'm going to take the step, but I'm not. I'm thinking about taking the step, but I'm not. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I've seen. You don't know the pushback. You don't know what's standing on the next corner. And you're right. I don't know, but God knows that he still calls you. He still calls you qualified for the things that he has called you for. Lord, we bless you. I'm going to ask every eye to be closed in this place. And if you want prayer, come on up. We're here. Holy Spirit is here. God is here. We want to pray with you. Lord, we bless you, Father. We thank you, Father God. We just adore you, Lord, because you are just so faithful in this time. You are faithful in this place, oh God. You are faithful, Lord. You are faithful to complete what you have started, oh God. I just bless your name, Lord. I bless your name, Lord. I bless your name. I bless your name.